When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is sponsored by Still a Work in Progress by Joe Knowles. In a return to middle grade fiction, Master of Perspectives Joe Knowles depicts a younger sibling struggling to maintain his everyday life when his older sister is in crisis. Noah is just trying to make it through seventh grade. The girls are confusing, the homework is boring, and even his friends are starting to bug him. Not to mention that his older sister, Emma, has been acting pretty strange, even though Noah thought she'd been doing better ever since The Thing They Don't Talk About. The only place Noah really feels at peace is an art class with a block of clay in his hands. As it becomes clear through Emma's ever stricter food rules and regulations that she's not really doing any better at all, the normal seventh grade year Noah was hoping for begins to seem pretty unattainable. In an affecting and realistic novel with bright spots of humor, Joe Knowles captures the complexities of navigating middle school while feeling hopeless in the face of a family crisis. Still a work in progress is available wherever books are sold. Welcome to a special episode of the Book Riot podcast. Jeff and I talked several weeks ago about JetBlue's Soar with Reading program that puts book vending machines around cities that are selected by voting based on their communities. Currently, they are in Detroit. We were really excited and fascinated by this program that's in its sixth year, and we are joined today by Asima Gibbs, who is the Director of Corporate Social Responsibility with JetBlue, uh, just to learn a little bit more about the Soar with Reading program. So thank you so much, Asima, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'll ask the first question. Let's let's begin at the beginning, which is they say is a very good place to start. So this has been this is its sixth year. Um, can you tell me a little bit how it got started? We're just finding about this now, which we do this for a living. So I'm ashamed and appalled that it took us this long to find out about it. Um, how did this one get started? Sword reading started with our partner's first book when we were really solving for making sure that children had age-appropriate books because we learned that in low-income communities, quite often children don't have age-appropriate books. And we know that libraries are major focuses in communities all across the country, but we realized that kids don't necessarily get to keep those books, and so we wanted to see how we could help with children who didn't have age-appropriate books. And we were doing research, and, and First Book was helping to educate us about the statistic that in some low-income neighborhoods, only one in 300 children had age-appropriate books at home. And so knowing that I have a small child and, and the books that she had at home, I knew that we could probably work to help do something about that staggering statistic. Wow. That's, I'm really interested in how, I mean, that's, it's a shocking statistic. And we've done some work with First Book as well. They're so, they're such a fantastic organization and uh, so knowledgeable about their area. How did a literacy effort make its way onto JetBlue's uh, sort of, you know, dashboard at all? It's, it's not the most we, obvious connection. No, it's not the most obvious connection. We actually surveyed our customers, we surveyed our crew members to see what was important to them, primarily because we Hmm. want them to be involved in our activities. And so if you're doing something that they're not 
passionate about or interested in, then they're not necessarily going to join you. So it was through our customers and crew members, their votes and and their feedback that allowed us to really examine having an impact in the category of youth and education. And as we did our deeper dive, we found out that there were so many areas for us to focus on. And so we wanted to figure out how we could make a difference. First Book was a partner that we realized was really work was working in that space to to change that statistic and we wanted to do something that was into that could integrate our customers and our our crew members but that mm. made an impact for social change and i you know we didn't want to do something that was cute or a stunt or something that didn't have an impact and mm. so soar with reading was born and it's continued to evolve how did you get to book vending machines as the mechanism well, there were a few things that happened a few summers ago. One was that we had been citing the statistic one in 300 children. Um, we knew that that's, that statistic seemed to be a little old. We were using it for a long time, and others across the country were using it as well. And we wanted to continue to refresh our program. So with reading, it's one of our signature programs. But how do you keep it new and fresh? And so during some brainstorming sessions, we came up with two two major tasks. The first was, who did this study? Why are we quoting this work? And has it changed? And two, how do we make this program fresh? And so Susan Newman is the woman who did the study. She was at that time working for the Reagan administration, the Bush administration, and she happened to be at NYU. So Google is a wonderful thing. We found her. <laughs> and um, we asked her to replicate the study. And it's funny because when we contacted her, she said she had been waiting for somebody to contact her, waiting oh, to see if anybody was was going to try to update those that statistic. So we had her go to cities that were JetBlue cities. So we didn't we didn't do a study or we didn't do a survey in cities outside of JetBlue cities. But the first area that she went to was Anacostia and she found out that there there was approximately one book for every 832 children in that area. She went to every retail outlet in Anacostia including the non-traditional ones. Hmm. So we didn't just go to places where we thought books would be sold, we went to places that had a cash register. And mm. if there was some sort of transaction there, she went there just, just to make sure that we were speaking factually. And while she's doing that work, we were just trying to figure out how we could change the program a little bit, how we could be more ingrained in the, in the community, how we could have a greater impact. And so what was obvious was, of course, bookmobiles, because bookmobiles come mm-hmm. into communities, kids could take the books out, but we didn't feel that, A, that was new, so mm-hmm. the marketing side of us knew that that wasn't new or fresh, and the impact side knew that the book machine would come once a week, and if people were home, they might get it. If they weren't, they would miss it, and that we didn't think we would have a really the ability to have a real big impact, and so we came up with the vending machine idea, and we knew when we were talking about it that we were onto something that could be really big. We were hoping that what we would be able to show, although you don't, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So we were hoping that we would show that parents were really excited about getting books for their children. If if it was made easy and convenient, um, that we also thought that we could change what happens in the summer for a lot of kids who don't have reading material 
and that's you know has been deemed the summer's lodge so we figured if we go into an area that we kind of deemed a book desert that we could combat the summer slide, but we could also make it fun for kids. Mm. And so the vending machine idea was born. I'm super interested in the logistics things. Two questions, um, especially. It says that the vending machines were custom-built machines by Innovative Vending Solutions. Um, from a logistics side, that sounds like a pain in the in, in the rear. And the other one was, how hard was it to place it? There are five of them in Detroit right now. Were they hard to get people to say yes to, um, to having them? Or what all went to just like the physical things of getting a special book vending machine made and then put in a place where, you know, it's going to take up space and more people are going to be coming there that some of these places maybe aren't, you know, equipped or ready or experienced with dealing with? How did that go? So it it went... It was interesting because the first year we were met with a little bit of skepticism. People mm-hmm. didn't believe that the the vending machines, A, were going to be left and B, that they were, the books were going to be free. Hmm. But we had so many conversations with civic leaders in the communities that we came in with a little bit of clout and we came into the community with and an outstretched arm so that we approach this as a community initiative, not JetBlue coming to save the day. Mm-hmm. And that kind of eased um, some of the skepticism around what was going to happen. When we went into, and that was in Anacostia, when we went to Detroit, we had some key learnings behind us. And so we knew we could offer suggestions about where to put the vending machine. We could offer um, anecdotes about how the traffic might be. We could offer a lot more information than we were able to do last year because, of course, that was our our pilot year. Mm-hmm. Um, we we in Detroit because we had so much much more experience. We did not meet with any resistance, and quite honestly, we really didn't meet with much resistance in Anacostia. People were so excited about this initiative and so excited about having the vending machines. And in fact. We had such a great experience in Anacostia. We went back there again. So we do have one vending machine there oh, now. So I didn't know that. And we have, we have five vending machines in Detroit. So we're trying to gauge scalability. What happens next year? Do we leave one in Detroit and then go to the next city? So we're, we're really working through those things. But um, the communities both in Anacostia and Detroit have been welcoming and the community has been welcoming the entities or the nonprofit organizations that we're working with have been really excited about the initiative and they are all taking great care of the machines, um, making sure that they're fully stocked because that becomes their responsibility mm. and allowing us to come back and read to the kids and have reading sessions um, throughout the summer. So interesting. It says here on the info that we got ahead of the show that the machines will be restocked with new titles every two weeks um, so that, you know, kids and their parents can visit the book vending machines as often as they like and take as many books as they like. And there will be new titles for them, you know, anytime that they visit. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about what goes into selecting the titles that are in the machines and any examples of the books um, that are currently or that have been offered this year in Detroit? Sure. So Random House is our book partner. And so the books are Random House titles. We were conscious about making sure that the titles reflected the community. Mm -hmm. So we have, to the best of our ability, a diverse array of books and age-appropriate books. So we have 
books for kids zero to three and four and five and six to nine and Hmm. um, older children as well, up to 14. And what that does is it allows different groups of kids to participate with the vending machine, but it also, the changing the books out, we call them waves, mm-hmm. so changing the books out also allows for people to build a library that they're excited about, and making sure that the books are age-appropriate gives the, the um, community centers an opportunity to engage different levels of children to to come and participate. And if you are reading at a different level, it really is exciting for the kids to be able to take books that are outside of their their age group. And and a lot of them are doing that with the the permission of their teachers. And um, we we received a wonderful letter from a parent who was saying how her she has two boys and how one of the boys is has been struggling and the other boy is really doing well and how they're challenging each other and really pushing each other to read more over the summer and then the one who's a little bit more doing a little bit better in school has been challenging his brother to the point where they switch books afterwards so he's taking more advanced books but he's gotten his brother to really try to keep up with him so we're hearing stories like that from from all of our different locations and how the kids are really excited about the the books and and how the the continuous selection keeps them engaged. Hmm. Next year we're we're coming up. So you have until August 31st to vote for next year's selection. There's four cities competing: Boston, Fort Lauderdale, Long Beach, and New York. If you want to go vote, you can go to soarwithreading.com right now um through August 31st to vote. Uh, anything different for next year? Anything in the hopper that uh, you could tell us? The location will be different, of course. <laughs> right. Um, and then yeah. we, we continue to to gather key learnings. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, this year we're at five locations. We're pretty spread out. Do we? How do we strategically look at the locations that we select? Um, we feel like we're at the best locations, and we'll do that for for the next winter. Whether it's um, Fort Lauderdale, Boston, New York, or Long Beach will pick the best locations so that kids have the biggest opportunities to, or the most opportunities to select books. But how can we be a little bit more strategic about the out the the um, locations because it mm-hmm. it is not easy to have somebody check on these machines no, every it day. Seems like we do have. I'm sorry. It seems like a very ongoing effort. Like it take you can't yeah. just drop them and parachute them in and get out of there. You gotta you gotta keep taking care. Absolutely. of Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to take care of them. We have somebody visits that, who visits the machines every day. Um, but it's it's challenging because, you know, you do make sure they're stocked. You make sure the waves are there. You make sure that everything's going right. And then you have dialogue with the people that are, um, you know, taking care of the machines on your behalf. So we'll look at that, I think, a little bit more strategically next year um, and right size that scope of or or that footprint for mm-hmm. for our program next year but we're really excited about the program we're so excited about the results and we're excited about the fact that kids are really proud and have a little bit of a competition about the books in the libraries and where they're keeping them and all of these things were concerns like would people take care of the books or hmm. would people just take a lot of books and and we haven't found anybody taking books for the sake of taking books when you see people coming to coming with a bag to get books then you and you have one you know one conversation with them you realize that they're a school teacher that who could not whose whole class couldn't come so she's getting books mm. on behalf mm. of 
of the school or you find a a grandmother who's taking books for kids in her area or you find um an educator who is taking books to start her school year. So there's so many different scenarios, but you don't, we haven't seen any abuse of, of people just taking a, a random amount of books for the sake of just taking them. Everybody has such a great, a heartwarming story about why they're taking multiple books. And then the kids, because they, the kids are enjoying the power of choice. They pick mm-hmm. the books. There's no adult telling them that they have to have a certain book. They have a chance to pick and that's really special for them. Yeah, we've seen studies that show that um, if books, if kids get a choice rather than something assigned, even if it's the same book, you know, controlled for title selection, they enjoy it more when they pick it themselves. And, I, you know, as adults, Absolutely. we implicitly understand that. Um, and yeah, for some sense. reason, we don't extend the courtesy to kids if they would enjoy <laughs> the same autonomy. I think that's up for us. Anything else from you, Rebecca? That's you know, so amazing. And thank you so much. I'm just wondering, in addition to going to soarwithreading.com to vote, are there other ways that our listeners who want to get involved with the program or have their communities be considered for it uh, can, can do that? Where else can they learn uh, information about what's going on or get involved? We'll continue to update our website, So With Reading. We, unfortunately, last year, I know we had so many inquiries about where we, where we were going next and if the book vending machine could be brought to neighborhoods um, that, that we didn't even service. And so we are limited to the cities that we fly to. Mm-hmm. And... Um, because that's the only way that we can monitor the machines and and have access to them. One of the things that we do is make sure that we have um, readers come out and read to the kids. And so we don't drop the machines and and leave. We do try to have a relationship with the community. So we were just in Anacostia doing a a reading last week. We're going to Detroit this week. Um, We just had um, Christopher Paul Harris was in Detroit reading to the kids. So we do try to have authors involved and make this a really great experience for the kids. And we want to be able to do that and the only way that we can do that is make sure it's a JetBlue city Mm -hmm. well yeah I think that wraps it up for us then thank you again Asima Gibbs the director of corporate social responsibility for JetBlue um, for joining us on this special episode listeners again you can go to soarwithreading.com to learn more about the program to vote for the cities it's Boston Fort Lauderdale Long Beach and New York that are in contention for the 2017 prize and follow the hashtag book battle online